G'day everybody and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. I'm your host Emma Doyle, coach for success in sport and business. Hello everybody and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. I'm Emma Doyle here with my good friend who I studied executive coaching with back in the day. We won't tell everyone how long ago it was. Feels like yesterday. (laughs) Jen Bryce, welcome to the Coaching Podcast. Thanks, Emma. Thanks for having me. Yes, you are an absolute dynamite on so many levels, done so many different things with your career. So I'd love to have a chat about that and a bit of an extended chat about where you're at now after we do our formal our formal coaching question. So the first question is anchovies on a pizza. You either love it or you strongly dislike them. Strongly dislike. Strongly dislike. Strongly dislike. Yes. So it's a break pattern question, as you would appreciate, <laughs> off the first off the bat here. So because you answered that way, we ask the follow-up question is, could you share with us a coaching moment that didn't go well and what might be some of the lessons? Look, I think that that when, when a coaching moment doesn't go well, and I think about it maybe – a couple of examples of times when I've worked with leaders in a business context and I get caught up in their story. <laughs> so, you know, we work with, with business people. They're incredibly busy. They've got so much on their plate. They're juggling so many different priorities. And I at times um, have to really watch myself because there, there have been times when I've been um, coaching someone and found myself shifting out of coaching mode into more mentor advice giving mode. And before you know it, we're both having this kind of, we're both in the place where my coaching started. So, um, you know, I'm not that helpful as a coach if I'm also living out my coachee's story. So I think, and look, self-consciously, this probably that probably happens more than I would like it to <laughs> <laughs> um, because I think the nature of the environments that we all work in is that uh, it's incredibly stressful. There's, I mean, we're in an incredible time in our lives from a global perspective and I, and I think that, we can, all of those things impact and influence how we show up, how we engage and, and all of the things that we, uh, all the ways that we're, we're interacting. So I think that the, 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 the real lesson for me, or the, there's probably a few lessons in it, one is about being as present as I possibly can in any kind of coaching uh, conversation and really staying in the place of um, curiosity and deep listening. So holding on to um, that that position that you have, that really beautiful privileged position that you have as a coach of really just being outside of the situation so that you are in, in a place of being able to ask some really open, creative, curious questions that help to create shifts for the people that, we, um, that we're working with. Yeah, we're well said. We're in the people business, aren't we, and mm. treading that line with the relationships and the story versus coaching. Is, um, yes. I love that. I love that. Thanks, Jen. The, the flip side then is can you share with us a, a really great coaching moment and what was the lesson? 
Uh, I mean, really, when I think about great coaching moments, it just like I immediately go to my heart and I feel and feel it, again, it's just such a privilege to be present and work with people um, to create change. Uh, so I had a couple of really great coaching conversations just last week, but the, the one that stands out for me was an experience of, of working with a business owner, so someone that has uh, been started up a, a small business and it had got to a point where she was really ready to take the, the next step. And so really just kind of working through with her what that vision was, what that looked like and what that, what that would feel like for her and really getting her to kind of step into a sense of expansion and a, and a sense of um, possibility of, of what, what, what's next for her. And her, her elation, I think, at, you know, as we kind of came towards the end of the session and I was, you know, really asking her, what was some of the insights? What, what are you taking away from this conversation? And her sense of, you know, so much because she had a really strong emotional sem- somatic kind of experience of what this new business was going to look like for her. And so a really strong sense of um, real clarity in in the way that she was thinking about what she wanted to uh, to create, and I think it, um, and you know those kinds of experiences just kind of go yeah, <laughs> it's such a, a great uh, yeah such an awesome experience, and it's why really I love coaching so much is to see that really tangible shift or that really tangible change or the insights that uh, people get from mm. just thinking about things a little bit differently and also giving themselves permission to think big, to dream big, to, you know, step into possibility. Um, But again, when I think about the the lessons from that, it's, you know, for me, it's always about trusting my instinct in the moment, really trusting many years of experience of having these kinds of conversations and being present being as present as I as I possibly can. One of the questions that I um, love to, or one of the ways I love to help people get get present for coaching conversations is to get them to do a, a, some couple of deep breaths and get them to really invite the best version of who they are into the conversation. We have so many different versions of ourselves, but we want to, when we're thinking about what we want to create for ourselves or change, we want to bring our A-game, we want to bring the very best version of who we are, the, the, the part of ourselves that knows that we have enormous potential. Um, so it's some of those kinds of things that, that really help me to be present, helps me to really anchor in as well that this is, I know this is my work in the world. I know this is what I'm, I'm here to do. I'm, so it feels very purposeful. Connecting to all of that it enables me to be in the best place for whoever I'm working with. And, yeah, it's lovely to hear at the end of a session the shifts and changes that happen for for someone else as part of that process. Mm. And I love that connection with the emotion of the the vision of who they they want to be because that's when people take action, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, that, that 
emotion causes that ability for yeah. someone to take a step into being more courageous into that, you know, the next self or that. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. And the next question is the sliding doors question. Yeah, look, I think probably the one that comes to mind was uh, reaching a point in my career where uh, I really ha- had to, to make a, a choice. So I had spent 11 years working in a really amazing not-for-profit organisation the Reach Foundation, it's a, a leadership organisation for young people and it really is a, a place that helped to shape a lot of who I am and how I lead and how I coach and how I work. So a lot of the things that, you know, we talk about as coaches around connection and vulnerability and relationships, all of those things were very much part of my work at Reach but also part of the ethos and what we were teaching young people. Um, so it was a really amazing organisation and I worked my way up um, and went from doing more sort of therapeutic work with young people into learning and development and then ended up leading uh, or managing. I was a general manager of the operations of the business. So it was quite, it was quite a, um, I guess, I mean, I remember really distinctly when my the CEO at the time said to me you know I want to offer you this opportunity I was like really <laughs> are you sure <laughs> um, I just yeah. totally didn't believe in myself at all uh, or didn't I just really felt that that was just too much of a stretch but she had a lot of faith in me and in my ability and so really strongly encouraged me and and so then I found myself in this in this role which I I ended up sort of being in that role for um for five years so it sort of took a few little changed shape a few few times but ultimately it was a was a leadership role in a not-for-profit organization and I loved it I really really loved it um but I got to a point where I, I knew that it was time for me to move on. I knew that it was time for me to do something else. 11 years is a long time in one organisation. And I started to sort of put some feelers out. I'd done a, a number of leadership programs. I'd done all sorts of 360s, you know, done lots of uh, self-reflection. This is what we do, I think, as coaches as well. We spend a lot of time <laughs> introspecting. Um, and... I was really at a, at a crossroads of do I go down this pathway of leadership in the, in the not-for-profit for-purpose sector or do I look for other opportunities um, to really kind of stretch into the, the coaching work, so that one-on-one work. I, you know, early, very early on in my um, career, I was a social worker, counsellor, and so I did a lot of one-on-one therapeutic work and then I'd had a whole lot of experience doing one-on-one coaching sort of in a more of a bits and piecey kind of way so this was a a crossroads of trying to make that decision of whether I was going to go down um, this pathway of leadership or a pathway of of coaching and developing others and yeah so it was it was one I think that has been when I kind of think back now, I, I feel really grateful. Yeah, it was so coaching was that was that pathway. That, yeah, fantastic. And 
you know, a lot of your work even today, and we'll touch on that a little bit more when we finish the official questions, but is is in the leadership space as well. So it's interesting, mm. isn't it, that you made the choice of doing what you mm. know is true to your heart that then has unfolded all this work around leadership. So well, well it's I'll kind of ended up weaving yeah. together. Yeah, really. I I had a coaching um did a, had a coaching practice for a short period of time on coaching women returning to work, which was really awesome. It was a really great experience and it was very relevant for me. I, you know, had young children and I fairly recently returned to work, so I could really relate to that. Um, but I think that this combination of, of the, the understanding, I guess, I guess really the appreciation and the empathy that I have for, for leaders and that their experience and being able to combine that then with the coaching skills it's kind of like, oh, yeah, this feels like my place. I feel yeah. like uh, this is the sweet spot, I guess, of yeah. where I want to be and where I think I can add the most value. Yeah. Thanks for bringing some tennis analogy in there for our, our co- tennis coaches online, the sweet spot. <laughs> Love that. We're all, always looking for the sweet spot. Uh, in one to a maximum of three words, and I know I have asked you this question before because you are in the book. Let's see if your answer is still the same as of what it was. What makes a great coach? Like st- standout number one is ability to listen. Um, I think, yeah, definitely is is listening. I think the the second thing would be cu- curiosity. Like you, ne- you just really need to be curious about people. And probably the third thing is um, empathy. Mm. Really being able to see just have a sense of what what another person, what another human might be experiencing in any given moment means that you're able to kind of shape the coaching to be uh, most relevant for them at that particular moment. Mm, Beautiful way to articulate each of those three fantastic qualities. And would you believe there's a chapter on each of those in the book? So coming soon, (laughs) coming soon. uh, I promise it will be finished one day. So the (laughs) final question is, official question, is where we ask you to ask us a question. What are you curious about? I think I'm always curious about what gets people what brings people to the coaching profession? I mean, coaching is one of those amazing um, professions that brings people from all walks of life and all different perspectives and lots of different backgrounds that kind of, yeah, land in this place of going, oh, yeah, coaching. So that would be my question. Like what is it that, what is it that brought you into coaching? And on that note, uh, I, it would be great just for even us to, to let the listeners know how we know each other because what brought us into that one room on that very special occasion when we mm. all studied through Open Door Coaching, that the, the unique souls that the brought, we all were there for different reasons, but brought us mm. into that one room. I mean, we're talking about 2006 mm. and we still catch up couple of times a year that's pretty crazy there's not many courses I've done plenty of courses like you Jen very (laughs) you know I'm doing personal development leadership courses all the time Mm. always trying to better myself and and learn and and be curious but we have a really unique special bond with Erina Anna yeah uh, yeah Helen Marissa and yourself and Mm. I so why do you think that is why do you think that we 
we all connected. Well, we're all awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I think think actually, uh, I mean, there's, we had a a really, there was a, it was a really sense of shared experience. It wasn't because it wasn't just the learning. We were all there, I think, deeply passionate about the learning and wanting to develop that skill set. But I think that we also had a very shared experience. I know that all of us were going through different personal challenges and there was a whole lot of things that were going on. And inevitably, when you start practicing having coaching conversations, it, things come out and you share things that are that feel very vulnerable and very personal. And so my sense is that I think that we had a really um, trusting, safe, group that allowed us to share very openly and very authentically that kind of really glued us together Mm. and it feels so safe I think um and so nurturing and uh, you know each of us I think are our own like we're all cheering each other on there's Mm. this we're all kind of coming from this place of seeing each other's amazing potential and Mm. Um, yeah, but I think it was I think it was probably that sense of uh, safety and connection through pretty deep conversations, probably on day one. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's interesting how even with Natalie Ashdown coming back into my life, it's, mm. not that I ever lost contact, but you know we certainly caught up maybe once every couple of years, mm. and then for her to help me with the book, collaborate on that mm. and now have the opportunity to run these open door coach. It feels like it really does feel like full circle for me right now, mm. which is which is kind of cool. Uh, I'll be offering uh, the, as I was telling you earlier, the certificates in uh, high-performance workplace coaching certification here in the U.S. Uh, with the as recognised by the ICF, uh, the International Coaches Federation. So that's So I'm really looking forward to that and I'd love to, Uh, also share with all our listeners the intention exercise that I did in taking a deeper dive into some of the work that you're doing, which is sort of where Mm. I want to pivot now. Um, Jenbrice.com.au is is the website. And it was a a great post that you put up. And I'm someone that always, you know, around New Year's, like probably many people do that, do that introspective uh, reflection and really set my intention for the year. But you just gave me these really great, easy steps to be Mm. able to connect my thoughts and I, my intentions, uh, um, connection, uh, curiosity and energized. So even though I have mm. pretty good energy, it's about how I monitor and main like self care that energy as as much as so I can give it continue to give it out mm. um, with the energy piece. But it really helped me clarify that those those three words came out really strong for my mm. for my intention. So I love what what you're about. So let's let's just take a step into what you're doing today and let, let the listeners know how do you help leaders and it's a coaching practice but also you've got your your six-week leadership course can you tell us a little bit more about that mm. yeah sure so I've got um, an online leadership program called Elevate uh, Leadership by Design and it's really a, it's a great program for 
people that are wanting to almost disconnect to who they are as a leader. So I've had people do it that are very early on in their leadership journey, as well as people that are actually quite experienced leaders and kind of everything in between. And it's it's a, a program that is about just having that reflection on what are those pivotal moments, what are the things that have established who we, who we are as leaders and how we want to show up, what are our strengths, what are the things that we value and how do we bring that then into our leadership on a day-to-day basis. Um, there's elements around um, how emotional, you know, we were talking before about that, that sort of emotional experience, how emotions can really serve us and help us to make really positive steps towards creating change but also they our emotions can sabotage uh, and take us down uh, a pathway that doesn't necessarily serve us and I think that this is often um, as I was saying before that the experience of leaders is there's so much going on there's incredibly challenging environment that we ask leaders to operate in and so having that sense of emotional awareness is really important to be able to almost sort of step out, step outside of situations or decisions to be able to reflect on them in a, in a way that's going to be as um, purposeful and you know like moving towards something rather than kind of reacting or coming from that sort of sense of fear so purpose-led rather than fear-led. So all of those kinds of things I think are really important for for leadership, particularly right now uh, in the environment that many of our leaders are are operating in. So it's a six-week program. It's a combination of uh, some video content and uh, some reflection exercises, and then we have a weekly live conversation. So it's a really beautiful conversation where we come together and just really talk through uh, what are the what are the insights that you're getting? What are you noticing? How are you starting to apply that in your environment? Um, and I have lots of resources and articles and books and that kind of thing that um, that people can spend many months afterwards <laughs> re- reflecting on, reviewing and, and thinking about. And the idea is that that I mean we don't kind of just do, you and I both know this, you don't just do kind of a program and then it's like, all right, leadership, that's done. <laughs> it's, a, it's a constant journey, you know, it's a constant journey of reflection and, um, and really uh, just reviewing, learning, attending to, you know, I love those questions that you were you asked earlier around coaching moments that went well or didn't go well and what was the learning that you take from them and and I think that we need to be really thinking like that all the time like what are the insights that we're getting from our experiences and 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 I think the other thing is you know how do we combine that with a sense of self-compassion so we need compassion for others but we mostly need compassion for ourselves uh, and I think that a lot of leaders that I work with are very hard on themselves mm. and and I wonder a little you know if we were if when we invite in a little bit more self-compassion what does that open up and how does that help um, the kind of decisions that we need to make or the, the sorts of um, challenges that we're faced with how does that maybe make some of those challenges a little bit easier or a little bit you know be a little bit less invested in them um, anyway, I feel like I've gone off on a 
massive tangent there. Oh, I like but, that. Self-compassion. But, I love that. No, because it's yes. true. If we, we don't put our own oxygen mask on first. Yeah. Lord, I was saying with my energy, it was a real insight with people, mm. oh, you know, Emmys, you've got so much energy. And, yeah, that's true. Mm. I do. But if I don't actually nurture it and take care of it, then it, it's not showing up in the best way that it could. Um, yeah. So I, I, I love that. I think that's very, very relevant for coaches. Mm. Um, so w- could you unpack a little bit more about what do you see as the biggest challenges facing leaders moving into 2022? Limiting the stuff that they do. Tell me more. Tell uh, me more. Well, I, I think that what I, so the work that I do with leaders, I, what I often see is that they have, so, there's so much on their plate. And when we are just doing, 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 um, there's no space for thinking. There's no space for considering being curious creating I, if i think that the intention intentionally creating space for reflecting for thinking for all of those things is is such a, a an important part of of being a leader otherwise we kind of spend a whole lot of time in that almost like reaction space where we're responding and it's not just uh, you know, I think probably one of the biggest challenges for leaders is leading others. So, you know, it's not just about the the work or the getting the project completed or, or you know, making sure things are happening. Often what's a, a challenge in all of that is leading people. And we are, you know, coming into year three of a, of a pandemic. So the community more broadly are... Tired, scared, overwhelmed, you know, what's happening? How safe is my job? Like there's a whole lot of um, protective behaviours that that start to come out, I think, when people feel afraid and leaders are at the front line of having to navigate through that. So to bring empathy and compassion, but they're also on the... uh, you know, they need to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, how do you kind of navigate that or how do mm. you wrestle with that challenge of wanting to look out for people but still needing to make progress? Um, so so for me it does, it comes back to firstly that sort of sense of self-compassion, but it's also really proactively creating space and creating space away from your desk you know, this is the other thing I think that's happened is that we're now all really a lot of us are working um, on computers. Our our focus is narrowed, so we we start. I think what's um, an inevitable kind of impact of that is that we are also then kind of narrow out our thinking, and so it's about how do, how do we also find those moments where we're taking ourselves away from the desk where we're standing outside, where we're being in nature, where we're physically using our bodies, um, where we're kind of allowing ourselves to think creatively um, about the challenges that that are facing us rather than uh, just trying to kind of think intensely with our brains. I mean, our brains are uh, are magical. They're amazing. They've got so much, they do so many things, but, but actually... 
you know, wisdom and insight comes from combining that thinking with, you know, how you feel about something or, you know, what you just getting a sense of what the experience of wisdom is within your body, like all of those things combined then, are, um, <clears throat> you know, create more possibility, more possibility, more opportunity. Yeah. For different, I, different ways of thinking about things. Yeah. It's, it's, I've been talking to a client of mine recently about actually putting curiosity time in her diary, like mm. actually marking it in her diary. And I said to her, I said to her boss, I said, you need to be paid for that time. Yeah. <laughs> that's when, as you said, insights and, mm. and different ideas can, can come to the surface. And mm. I, I loved your post recently as well on, on your, on your bike. <laughs> I know cycling, getting back in touch with cycling, and and another way to just activate the brain when you're, you're riding along. Mm. I loved that, Jen. That was it's it's so funny actually because it's 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 so easy to forget, and it's almost like you know how do you also bring in a bit of play? I mean, I think there's all, there's plenty of research around playfulness and bringing play into. Uh, challenges that you face and then being able to you know opens up different neurons in the brain and different ways of thinking about things and so the possibilities then become much more expansive Um, but my bike I mean I used to ride a lot I used to ride all the time I've done big long um, cycle sort of touring around Australia I rode my bike around Ireland I loved always loved loved cycling and then I think it went into the into the shed for like 20 years and my son borrowed it so Jade's borrowed it when he was about 15 and I don't know like what do 15 year old boys do with bikes they completely trash them (laughs) so I was at this point where I was like you know it was a bit broken didn't quite know what and I yeah lost my sort of inclination to cycle and so Steve um pulled it out for me and got it refurbished and uh, that was my Christmas present. And being ba- so being actually back on the bike after so many years of not being on it, I was, I was just like, I can't believe that I've forgotten <laughs> how amazing this feels. The freedom of it and, the, yeah. and you know, immediately uh, yeah. really, really noticed the difference um, and because it, it also connected me back to, that experience of travel and, you know, being in my early 20s and, you know, I had my tent on the back and like just that experience mm-hmm. of moving from one place to another and um, really deep curiosity that, you know, as you kind of get older and I don't know, resp- maybe it's responsibility or thing. other things kind of come into your world and mm-hmm. it becomes harder to access that part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And the oxytocins and all the endorphins. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's all those sort of physiological benefits. As but well. then there's, yeah, mm-hmm. the, the kind of yeah. the connection back to a younger version of myself and all of the possibility in that. But and then it's just the, I think it's just also being um, moving, being in nature, yeah. being, um, you know, in a, in this sort of expansive environment. Mm-hmm. All of those things, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cycling, magic. Mm-hmm. There you go. I love it. it. <laughs> and let's uh, let's finish with a, a final question around what's what's a top tip if a client is stuck. 
what's some of your go-to little strategies? You're working with someone and they just, they're not getting that breakthrough or that aha and um, what mm. as a coach, what are some of one or two tips out there for other coaches who are working with somebody who feels stuck? I mean, the first word that came to mind when you said that was breathe. <laughs> I think that it's very easy to, and it's a little bit what I was saying before about the some of the things, a coaching moment that doesn't go well is when I get kind of caught up in the story of my client. <clears throat> so I think when someone's stuck, when you're working with someone that's stuck, is also kind of checking on your stuckness. Um, and so it's actually really being coming back to breathing, being present and and really trusting, you know, what is what's the what is it that this person needs right now? What's the question that might help them to explore this differently? Um, I also use a lot of physical movement. So I, often when someone's stuck, I'll get them to stand up. <laughs> Um, and it's actually incredibly powerful the difference that it makes mm. between sitting and standing and get it, so then get, using that experience to explore what does that feel like, what feels different about that. Um, and so really kind of uh, shifting, using the physical positioning, I guess, of uh, my client to change the perspective on what they have of the situation that they're uh, facing into. Fantastic. Well, yeah. I feel like standing and looking at the world through <laughs> a different perspective. <laughs> Jen, it is always a pleasure chatting to you. You're an amazing coach and I really mean that. You've coached me plenty of times. I'm still reaching out today to, to pick your brain and uh, and be really curious about how you go about things because that's how we can all learn and grow. But please, everybody, check out her website, jenbryce.com.au. And that intention exercise, it's a free exercise. You just pop in your email and also her newsletter and insights is, is wonderful. So I can't recommend it enough to everyone out there. And uh, Jen, thank you for being you and being a coach. Uh, thank you, Emma. It's such a lovely conversation and so yeah, beautiful to have this opportunity to to talk to you. Share ideas together. That's what it's all yes. about. All right. Yes. Thanks, everybody. It's been an absolute pleasure to bring you this episode on The Coaching Podcast. My name's Emma Doyle, and I'm a performance co-tour. That's coach and mentor. If you'd like to become a high-performance workplace coach, then check out www.emmadoyle.com.au and start your journey today. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a coach. And thanks for listening.